You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is From the Braves Booth, and this is episode number 43 of our podcast, and it's great to have you with us alongside Joe Simpson and our producer-engineer Jonathan Chaddock, who will be joining us momentarily. Ben Ingram here with you. And we're sitting here at the ballpark right now. The tarp is on the field. The good news, we should be okay later tonight. Braves play the Marlins tonight in game one of a three-game series. Really big series. Trying to remember the last time that the Braves and the Marlins, Joe, played this late in the season, and it was a, it was a big series. It's been a while. Yeah, you go back to 2020, Ben, when the Marlins actually got into the postseason as a wild card team. Braves and Marlins had to play in Houston, if you recall. Uh, and the Marlins didn't have near the team they have right now. They didn't have near the pitching they have right now. This is a very good ball club. Yes, it is. And uh, I think about the Marlins, and I've, I've in my mind, they're the surprise in the rearview mirror. Because here we are about to roll right into July, and you expect the Mets, you expect the Phillies, you expect that those are the teams that are going to be right there on your heels. And not only are they not on the Braves' heels, but they're not even in second place. It's Miami, and they are an example of what good pitching will do. They don't hit a ton, but their pitching has been outstanding, and they've had the best month that they have had as a franchise in several years. I think you and I were texting about this earlier. They had a month in 2012 where they won 21 games. So this is their best single month of any season since 2012, and that's how good they've been. Well, you got to admire and respect what they've done. Uh, they changed managers, and this is not to uh, second-guess Don Mattingly or dog him in any way. He had been there a while. Not much had happened. But Skip Schumacher has, is a new manager, and they are winning, have a winning record. But they also changed some personnel. And you got to give credit to Kim Ning on that. They're GM, uh, and it's they're they're veterans. You know, Gene Segura is one. They they made the trade for Arise, who's leading the world in hitting. Uh, they they acquired guys who aren't four A type players. These guys have been here and done that in the big leagues, and I'm sure they're really doing a good job of leading by example. All that said, as good of a month as they have had. They've lost ground in the standings because the Braves have been that much better. The Braves have been the best team in Major League Baseball. And uh, we, we have to pinch ourselves night in, night out to see what we've been seeing and just confirming that it is indeed real what we've been seeing. Yeah, it's like you said in one of those texts to me. The, it, the Braves are like a nightmare right now to the teams in the other division because Atlanta's not giving any ground. In fact, they're gaining ground. And, and I thought about this Wednesday. We played very early, 12-20 start. It was like the old days when the Braves were in the Western Division. They'd play over here in the Eastern time zone, and they'd win in a pennant race. And the other teams were already seeing that the Braves have posted a W. Now the pressure's on them right. to keep pace. Well, the same thing happened Wednesday when the Braves won early. And everybody who's trying to chase the Braves are thinking, man, these guys never lose. Right. You know, what are we going to do? But sure enough, the Marlins and the Phillies both kept pace. I think that, coupled with the, the sweep that the Braves had over the Mets, I feel like that broke the Mets. They, they did not win a single series the entire month of June. And, and there was a definite fork in the road that they took following that, that sweep here in Atlanta. And they just went down. Uh, in a downward spiral. Meanwhile, for the Marlins and the Phillies, and of course they haven't given up on winning the division, nor should they. There's a long way to go. And while the Braves are in a very comfortable place, anything could happen. But I think for the Phillies, and they experienced this this, uh, this last season, and the Marlins know this, 
you don't have to win the division to end up in a pretty impressive place at season's end. That's right. Um, we saw the Phillies get hot at the right time, and with the two aces that they have, plus Ranger Suarez, they went all the way to the World Series. And the Marlins are the kind of team where they, they're probably thinking, well, it'd be great to catch the Braves, but we don't have to do that. We just got to get in, and with our pitching, anything could happen. Yeah, with those guys they have right now, the arms they have, especially with the addition of Yuri Perez, their 6-8 giant that they have that will pitch on Saturday. Um they are a team that it's like a lot of people say all the time, just get in. Let's just get in and see what happens. We might have to play a few extra games as a wild card team, but let's get in the tournament and see what we can do. You were mentioning um, not catching the Braves or not they're certainly not conceding the division to the Braves, nor should they. But I think what teams are finding is let's let's see how we measure up against Atlanta. Everybody knows the Braves are good. Cincinnati was on a heater. They'd won 12 in a row or whatever it was. Braves took two out of three in Cincinnati. Well, the Reds played played the Braves tough, one-run games. They should have felt pretty good about themselves coming out of right. that series, even though they lost two out of three. I think that's where the Marlins are right now. They come in with a five-game winning streak. They just swept Boston in Boston. They are feeling pretty good about themselves. And while they lost three out of four here earlier in the year, both teams are different in a way. And they want to come back here and measure themselves. Yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting series. And this is really good for baseball. It, in the same way that the Braves-Red Series are really good for baseball because the Reds are contending for the first time in a while. They had the three biggest crowds they've had in that ballpark's history in consecutive dates. So baseball is back in Cincinnati. I think you'd say the same thing about this series because of what you're talking about. It's not just a big series in Major League Baseball. It's a big series involving two teams that are in the same division and one of them hasn't been here in a very long time so I think that'll be really good to see for the Braves uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how this thing plays out up until the trade deadline because what we have left between now and the all-star break is this series versus Miami and then we're on the road against the uh, the Guardians and then the Rays that'll be a huge series yeah uh, but then you go into the all-star break come back after the break go into the deadline you know three four weeks later and then what can you add? Because there are no concerns when it comes to this team's offense and their lineup top to bottom, but they have been giving their pitchers tons of run support. And um, you, you and I both know that this, these guys on the mound have done a good job, but they'd certainly like to add, get healthier, and be better on the mound than maybe what we've seen. Well, I think – let's go to the hitting first, Ben. Uh, I just don't see how any team in baseball history can keep up what the Braves have done in June. Uh, especially with the long balls. They're good. They're, they're really good. Up and down the lineup, there's no soft spots. There's no weaknesses for the pitcher to go after. I, I acknowledge that. But we also know that hitting kind of comes and goes at times over right. the course of a long season. You can't count on the Braves doing this again in July and, and having this kind of offense, at least to this level, in July. And if that's the case, sooner or later, you got to have your starting pitching start to elevate a little bit right and that's where we are right now in my opinion is uh need to see that happen from these guys in the rotation yeah and, and here's something that i like about that i love identifying needs weeks before the trade deadline and it, it was amazing what alex did two years ago because you knew that the braves needed an outfielder or two but we didn't really know the full depth 
of what that need would be until right before the All-Star break, because up until then you had Ronald Acuna, yeah. and then you lost him. So in a very short amount of time, in about a two-week span between that injury and the trade deadline, all of a sudden your need for outfielders went through the roof. Well, right now the trade deadline is over a month away. So to be able to identify those needs right now, you can really start putting together ideas of what you can give up, what that might get you back. And I like knowing those needs right now because as it is right now, it's all about arms. Yeah, it is. And um, because um, the central division in both leagues is so weak, this is kind of convoluted, but stay with me. Both uh, both of those divisions are so miserably weak. There are a lot of teams in that division that think that they could get in the playoffs. Yeah. They're, not, they're either going to try to uh, improve their club a little bit but even those teams that have losing records, you might say, hey, we might be able to go cherry pick that starting pitcher or their closer or whatever. I don't know if that's going to be that easy this year because those teams feel like they're still in it despite losing records. Um, the, the other thing that you were talking about uh, a minute ago about acquiring the right guys, and, and he certainly did. We didn't know anything about Eddie Rosario. Right. I mean, relatively speaking, and he was hurt. He didn't play for two or three weeks after the Braves got him. And look what happened, what he did for the team in the postseason. There might be some guys out there, and I promise you, if there are, Alex will find them, and he'll he'll do what he's got to do. Yeah, they are identified, and yeah. they've had in their minds exactly what it would take to get a player like that for a while. Yeah. I think it's a really good point that you bring up, because if you look at the 10 teams that are in central divisions in each league, I would say at least eight and maybe nine teams – would still say, we're in this thing. That includes the Cardinals. Yeah. As bad as they've been, they're only nine and a half games out, and yeah. it's a bad division. I think the only team that you'd say is, you know, the ship has sailed is the Royals. They're 16 and a half games out. Yeah. But if you're the Tigers, you're the White Sox, you're the Pirates, as, as rough as things have been in stretches, you're still five or fewer games out of first place. If any of those teams play 500 baseball into September – They've got a shot because they can go on a week's worth of wins right. and win the division. They could go right up to the top and win the division. So under the old format, they might be sellers, but under this format? I, yeah, I don't think they, they're all that fired up to do it. Yeah. So um, it, it may be historically uh, more teams buying than are, than are selling. The A's have anybody you want? We made enough trades with them. I think we know that number right now. We <laughs> I, I don't know if, if they want to deal with us again. <laughs> <laughs> we have raided Oakland, that's yes, for sure. Yes, that's true. We have, we're the new Oakland Raiders, uh-huh. if, it, if you will. <laughs> um, our email address is bravesbooth at gmail.com. You can send us questions, comments, anytime you want. Of course, on this podcast format, you can fire away and we'll get it. And maybe your question or comment will be on the next podcast. That's bravesbooth at gmail.com. Let me, uh, I, I opened up my scorebook because every year at the beginning of the year, uh, I ask you guys some questions. Uh, how many wins for the team? What place are they going to finish? You know, how many wins for Max Fried this year? And so on. We got a long list of, of questions. But what I also had you guys do this year was give me the standings at the end of the year in, uh-huh. in all the divisions, American League. Or, I'm sorry, just in the National League. We stink. <laughs> uh, uh, right now, we really stink uh, because all three of us had Miami finishing fourth. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
two of us had Milwaukee winning the Central, and another one had St. Louis winning. Two of us had San Diego winning the West. One had L.A. So right now, we're not looking real good. Uh -uh. And none of us had the outcriers, the, the teams who have really played well, like Miami or like Arizona. None of us had Arizona doing anything so where did we have cincinnati uh let's see here uh you had them no i had them dead last okay <laughs> you had them dead last jonathan had them fourth out of five man and had pittsburgh last you know I'm, that's one i'm happy to be right about because it's exciting it's exciting to get new bl- new blood outside of atlanta i should say i don't want to go anywhere but it's good to see different teams in the east or rather in the central and in the in the uh the west and see them competing because for years we it's been the dodgers and then a bunch of teams that finished 15 games back well, i think we base a lot of our projections on what we see in spring training too yeah you know any national league teams we see we either say yeah they got it working or they don't you know that they, they lost this guy uh they acquired this guy uh, let's see I had Philadelphia finishing second to the Braves. You did too. And JC had the Mets finishing second with Philadelphia behind them. Um, this is a great – this is halfway. You know, today's the yeah. 81st game, so it's a, it's a good thing to look at and um, just proves how stupid we are. <laughs> <laughs> Preseason predictions are fun, but, man, they, they're, they're very um, humiliating things, once you start looking back on them. Things change. Yes, they do. Yeah. They really do. Uh, if the Braves were to win tonight, that'd be victory number 54, so they'd be on pace for 108. And if they do that, that's a new franchise record. Mm-hmm. Uh, 98 Braves won 106 games. And um, I, I don't. if you told me that in three months from now they're still on that pace, it wouldn't shock me at all because that's how well they've played. Of course, you can be a victim of the moment, and all of a sudden in this great, in this great month of June – it's easy to just think, oh, things will be like this the rest of the way. But to your point, it's not that easy. It's, you're going to have some ebbs and flows. But at the end of it all, I think so long as this team is healthy, we all know this is a very, very, very good baseball team capable of very, very big things, and that's what we're hoping for. Well, and, and I let's go back to the pitching again, or at least I'm going to go there because I was talking about the need for them to start picking it up a little bit. Uh, I foresee that happening. Uh, these guys are good. They're capable. Uh, and I say that knowing that there's a real good chance we're going to get Max Fried back, you know, short, right. shortly after the All-Star break. Um, so if that happens, and if Mike Soroka, who goes tonight, is able to put together a few starts, gain some confidence, realize he's back here uh, for a good reason, uh, I can see how the rotation will settle into a groove of five guys that uh, could be very solid. And then when that happens, it just makes your bullpen better because guys are pitching deeper into the game and your bullpen's not having to cover as many innings. And any uh, naysayers that are out there about the Braves' bullpen, uh, I understand, but these guys have been worked to death in the first yeah. half. Yeah, bullpen games, and that yeah. took weeks to bounce back from. Yeah, um, you, you might say that the key to all that is Max Freed. Because if you were to get Max back and he's able to go the rest of the way, then at that point I'd go into the trade deadline and say, give me one starter. Because you've already got one guy that you're going to get. Um, but but I, I'm curious at the same time, though, what the expectations are of the ball club, of Max Freed once he comes back. Because in our minds, you, you, you see him down there and you think, oh, Max is back. So he's going to be uh, an ace in the league just because he's out there on the field. That might not happen. But – I would, I would imagine a healthy Max would be 
significantly better than any other options that you might have. Absolutely. And, and that's, a, that's a big thing. And I, I think Max is, in the second half, his ability to A, come back, and B, be consistently part of what you're doing in your rotation is a huge key to the second half in my mind. There are surprises and there are disappointments every year uh, for a ball club. And even on a winning ball club like Atlanta, uh, surprises. Bryce Elder, you know, didn't make the club out of spring training. He's come up come up and been lights out. As I asked Brian Snitker the other day, where would we be without him? There's no reason to think that he can't continue what he's doing. Uh, he's been outstanding. Disappointments, certainly the injuries uh, with Max and especially Kyle Wright. That was a disappointment. Uh, but another surprise, and think about this. Colby Allard pitched Wednesday, and nobody thought he was supposed to. You know, we're all thinking Soroka's going to pitch. And Colby comes up here and dazzled the Twins with that curveball. And you stop and think, you know what? There's not that many guys throwing a curveball. Yeah. And they didn't know what to do with it. I mean, he went four-plus innings. We all wanted him to get one more out to be the pitcher of record. He deserved that. But I think Brian made the, the right move. It was time to go to the pen. The, with the moves that were made today, here's what this tells me. You call up Soroka, you option back Chadwick Trump because it's obvious that Murphy's okay, his leg's all right, stay with two catchers again. They called Charlie Culberson back up and added him to the roster, and to make room for him on the roster, it's like a chain reaction. They had to put uh, uh, Dylan Lee on the 60-day IL. What that tells me is it gives Colby Aller just gave the Braves and Dylan Lee a little more time to make sure you're okay. Right. Colby Aller didn't get sent down. He's still here, but he's going to be in the bullpen at least for the time being. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm, a, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And that left-hander is somebody they needed in addition to uh, AJ Mentor. Yeah. Isn't it fascinating how you you view this thing and look at it? Because where we are right now, it's a completely different viewpoint than if this were September. And what I mean by that is, and and not that Colby Allard isn't good enough to win games in September or even the postseason. We believe that he is. But I think you look at this stretch and say, just get me by. Find guys who can get out there, compete, give me a chance to win, and, and keep my head above water. And, of course, right now the Braves are... Heads are way above the water. In fact, they're in the crow's nest of the ship, really. But sailing along well and just give me an opportunity to, to figure out what to, do with, what to do with the trade deadline, get some guys healthy. And it really shows the strength of the depth of your organization to get through 162. It's not just your five-man rotation that you break camp with. It's not just the, the bullpen that you have. You constantly have to dip into the minor leagues and bring up guys for a stretch here, a stretch there to get you to the postseason. That's why winning a division to me is so impressive because it's not just the 26 guys. That shows a team that organizationally had the depth to get through injuries, to get through guys who uh, weren't pitching that well or playing all that well, to show your depth and get you there across the finish line in first place. And that's where we're in the middle of seeing right now. And two, that depth becomes so important in the second half with your pitchers uh, in this fashion. Let's say the rotation settles into uh, Morton, Strider, Soroka, um, Dylan, and, and then eventually Max Freed. Max Freed is going to be treated with kid gloves. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Charlie needs a day off somewhere or need to skip him a turn. He's 39. End of the season, August, dog days, whatever. Mike Soroka 
He hasn't pitched in three years, literally. Um, maybe he needs to be skipped a turn somewhere. That's where this depth of Colby Allard or Jared Schuster or even Dylan Dodd, those guys come into play big time sure. in the second half when you've got to expand your rotation a little bit. To the point where AA might look at it and say, okay, yeah, I've got five guys and I'm hoping to get 30 starts out of. And you might say my five-man rotation, but all along you're probably thinking these 12 to 15 guys that I'm going to – these other 10 guys I might only get three or four starts out of along the right, way. Right, But that's your full arsenal. But looking back, the starts that Jared Schuster got, the one that Colby got Wednesday, which I don't personally think will be his last, those are all assets going forward where they've been out there. They know what they know what it's about. Right. They know how this works. Yeah. You know, Colby's – pitched a lot in the big league so it's not going to and nothing's going to be a big surprise to him mm-hmm. well really exciting stuff and a, an exciting part of the year uh, being at the halfway point tonight and then um, after tonight about a wee a little bit more than a week until the all-star break and that's a great place to evaluate your ball club and where you are and be proud of where you are and then right after that trade deadline month after that labor day month after that postseason i mean it really moves yeah uh, after that all-star break white Sox in arizona right after the break white Sox are playing better arizona right now is yeah. in first place playing good baseball you guys saw them out west you saw what they're capable of um they're then, tough yeah and then uh, a road trip to milwaukee and boston so um we can't rest on our laurels had a great first half awesome first half this offense is unbelievable no weaknesses as i said earlier it's been fun to watch i hope it continues i'd love for it to continue because it's on an epic run yeah it is and and you you start playing this well and while we're broadcasters we're also fans and just like you people out there listening who are fans it's hard not to go certain places in your mind thinking about man what could this team do what 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 might we be seeing in september and october or beyond and it's just fun to think about those things and that's how well the team has been playing so they've given us that kind of faith right now that's a great place to be this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, we'd love to open up the uh, our uh, question portion of the show right now and open up the uh, email inbox and get to your questions and comments and jay chad will be joining us here in a little while jay chad's having a bad day today he had a flat tire this morning and he's currently in the middle of dealing with his truck he just left me a post-it note said i'll be back in 10 to 15 minutes dealing with my truck so he may or may not be here the rest of the way we'll see yeah that was a tough deal but they'll get it ironed out and and some more positive news or uh what time is it here well doesn't matter they're rolling the tarp off the field so that's a good sign yeah we're four hours till game time right now yeah that's a good thing all right lead it off all right let's see um you all have probably answered this a million times what's your favorite city to have an off day in that's from brian i know yours i think boston Mm -hmm. i thought i remember that last time boston and chicago are both great yeah they are good restaurants uh if we wanted to add to that 
Um, I'll go with San Diego. Yeah, Miami's not bad. Miami's great. Yeah, great pool scene, yeah, all that. Yeah, oh my. We got the Tiki Hut. It's a great thing. Yeah. Do you say Tiki or Tiki? It's Tiki. Tiki. Yeah. I, I, tiki Hut? Tiki sounds better. Yeah. Tiki sounds like a bug infested place. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's put Miami on that. Uh, what are you looking forward to doing the most during the All Star break? That's from Ryan. Well, Ryan, I'm going out of town for a little while, but for the most part, just hanging out and. Um, I'm going to, I'm, I got a big trip for the all-star break. I've got the three games off coming out of the break with the white Sox, So I've got an entire week off and myself and Ashley are flying to Montana. My Ooh. brother's moved to Idaho. He's going to meet us up there. We're going to a, a music festival up there. Uh, the under the big sky, uh, music fest. That's going to be awesome. So it'll be a, a great detachment from the day to day. Oh, that is a great trip. Yeah. Have you ever been to Montana? I've been to the border and taken a picture with a sign. You know, uh, I've only driven through there. I've driven through it twice. And I was truly stricken by the re- the comment, the big sky. Yeah. It, it's real. That is real. Yeah. It truly is an amazing sight. Can't explain why. Yeah. But it is. I feel like we should answer this one while he's out of the room. Okay. Uh, even though you guys are on the radio, I'm curious who has the best hair in the booth. Hmm. Well, it's not me because I don't have enough to qualify. I think it's J. Chad. J. Chad has hair that you can do anything with. You can quaff it. You can <laughs> blow it. You can back comb it. You could uh, just a little bit of extra hair. You could probably braid it a little bit. Yeah. He went to get a haircut uh, on the road. Where were you guys? We uh, were in Philadelphia. Yeah, and he went to get a haircut. And the girl said, do you mind if I do a little something here? And he goes, no, go ahead. And she started combing the front of his hair up. So he's got a like a little rise, yeah. little riser thing. Right. And now he's sticking with it because uh, we keep winning. Keep winning. <laughs> and he's got Between that and that beard he's got going, it kind of looks like a, a dirty Q-tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're going to – two votes for Jay Chad on the hair. Um. What's been the biggest surprise on the team for you in the first half? That's from Dan. Uh, Dan, I think that conversation has a start with shortstop. Yeah. Um, Orlando Arcia. Being an all-star, I wouldn't have guessed that. He's the starter in the all-star game. Hallelujah. How about it? And this is a, an off-season after you just lost your starting shortstop to free agency. As Dansby goes to Chicago, you'd have been thrilled just to have an answer for an everyday shortstop following the days of Dansby Swanson. But to have – the starter in the all-star game uh my goodness that is hands down the biggest surprise for me well and i think uh when brian snitker said to us uh how comfortable he was having orlando play shortstop when he's watching games that says he's a good defender that's all you want right uh, you got a new shortstop just catch what comes to you you don't have to make spectacular plays well orlando catches what comes to him he makes spectacular plays but he's hitting 300, and he's mm-hmm. gotten some huge hits for the team. So he is the biggest surprise for me, too, and congratulations to him on the All-Star. Yeah, that is awesome. By the way, J. Chad just joined us. Your truck all right? It's been a day. <laughs> We're going to look in the back of the booth, and he's going to be back there smoking cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope well, I, I'm back in business, <laughs> but only thanks to – my dad yeah that just bailed me out again very good well 
that's what they do and good for him he's a good man uh this will this will go right to jay chad too because this happens quite often do you guys ever sit around and reminisce about the world series run in 21 that's from laura every single day we do it all the time that's for sure we have a couple pictures in our booth there's one of ben joe and me on the field in houston at minute Maid park holding the world series trophy and then there's one this frame right next to us of our uh, white house visit last september and so Every day that we are in Atlanta, we are reminded, and um, I always want to be reminded of that every single day. Yeah, it's a great reminder. Yeah, and I just know this, Laura, that um, should the Braves make it to the postseason this year, actually, if we get to the World Series, I'm going to buy a back brace, so I'll be ready. (laughs) That was a one and done. Jay Chad, I think this is one you and I will agree with. What's the best meal you've had on the road this season, and who paid? That's from Ken. Phoenix? It was, yeah, in Scottsdale, a place called Steak 44. Uh, it was uh, Ben, myself, Nick Green, Darren O'Day, Peter Moylan, and Brandon Godden. Yeah. And um, I think Darren paid. Darren did pay, which was um, wow. re- really nice. I mean, of we him. tried to and, uh, split it up, but he wouldn't not accept cheap. it. So thank you, Darren. But it was, it was, it's maybe the best meal I've ever had on the road. Yeah, it was, it was like last meal. I'm going to the execution chair for. Yeah. After this, the kind of last meal I'd want. We had a little bit of everything. Can I uh, throw in a uh, second place finisher for anybody that goes to Philly? Go to Ralph's. Yeah. If you like Italian, I mean, this is kind of specific, but go to Ralph's for some Italian food. You, you can't go wrong. Man, we got so fat that last trip to Ralph's. Say, go My hungry gosh. and then prepared to be miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I woke up at 3 a.m. and I mean, it's like I ate a bag of concrete. But it was delicious. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, uh, let's see. Michael Harris and Marcelo Zuna have really turned their season around. What, in your opinion, helped them to do this? And uh, Obviously, they could give a much better answer to that than us, but we know and through conversations and such and what we've noticed, slight adjustments with how they stand. That's a lot of work with Kevin Seitzer. That's a lot of work with Bobby Magianas. Uh, lots of work in the cage, lots of uh, watching themselves on video and making adjustments night in night out and uh to see where those guys were to where they are right now it's not just amazing joe that they've made that jump but i think the rapidness of how that happened is, is perhaps the most impressive thing well one of the things that these coaches are so good at and with the evolution of video boy what a great tool it is i've i've talked about that for years but if a guy gets a little stubborn and i'm going to use marcel as an example and one of the coaches, when he was really struggling, said, "You know, you need to. Your your hands are kind of too far behind your body. You know, you're too you're late getting to the ball. Oh, that's the way I've always hit, because they're going to get that a lot from a major league hitter. No, that's the way I've always done it. Well, they can go to video and say, now take a look. Mm-hmm. This was last night. This was la- This was two years ago in 2020 when you were." all world and look at the different position of your hands right they were able to do that and just a slight alteration and where he started with his hands uh, got him on time and helped him get it turned around likewise michael harris it was just a mechanical thing michael doesn't have a high leg kick but he does have a leg kick and sometimes if you get you haven't put that foot down and you're still going forward 
well, then you're going to drag the bat through the zone. You've got to get that foot down before the ball gets there to enable your hands to work. Well, when they discovered that, showed him, it was kind of not an easy fix, but something that made sense, and it worked. So hats off to the coaches. They worked their tails off. We've got a great staff. Mm-hmm. There was a second part to that question from Brad about how are we able to keep this staff together. And uh, it's not easy because these guys are all good. Yeah, and that's the beauty of 162. You get to do it every day. You don't do it and then wait a week to try to practice uh, what you yeah what you're able to observe over the course of the past week. You can go to the video room. You can work with coaches, and tomorrow night I get another crack at it and get better and better every single night. Good point. Yeah. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Uh, let's see, Joe, I'm taking a moment out of my day to write you this email in hopes that it might be read on your podcast. After all, I've been tuning in for over three decades through the static of AM radio, across television screens, and now through AirPods of my iPhone. Your voice has been a consistent backdrop in my life. Uh, he goes on to talk about the great memories that he has when he was a kid and, and listening to uh, different calls that you and Joe and or you and Pete and Skip made. And he said there's a unique comfort that comes from your voice. Uh, it's more than just a sound. It's an experience. An audible embrace to this day brings me a sense of home. I think that's a great way to put it. And this is uh, an email from Jeremy. And uh, there, there, this really isn't a question here, but he goes on and on talking about just how much your voice has meant to him, Joe. And I think that's really important because it's it's a great description of this fan's experience of what you've meant for his life and you and the people that you have worked with in years past. And I think that's tremendous, not just to do what you do every single night, but to have done it for decades and be a major part of people's lives for a generation. Well, that's very kind of, of Jeremy to say. It's a wonderful compliment. And uh, it makes one feel good that uh, you've touched some fans along the way or felt like you've brought some things in their direction that uh, brings the Braves game to them in the way that they enjoy. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been fortunate to work with very good people. Uh, As Jeremy says, P.S. Ben, you're okay too. (laughs) Um, So I'll throw you in there too, buddy. it's all about who you work with, how you're allowed to do the game, and now over here on radio especially, we we, are, we have a lot of freedom, and I think it comes across. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thank you again, Jeremy. Absolutely. JC, you got one? Uh, I don't know if you guys already discussed this or not, but this is from Kevin. Do you guys pay attention to what other teams in the division are doing on a nightly basis? All the time. 100%. All the time. Um I mean, we, we see the out-of-town scoreboard every single ball game. I, I even get to the point where even in spring training, I'm curious what other teams in our division are doing, just to see how they're looking. Obviously, it doesn't mean anything. But you start the season, and your eyes as broadcasters are trained to different things. And one of the things our eyes are trained to do is come about the fifth, sixth inning. What are the Phillies doing? What are the Mets doing? Where are the, where are the Marlins tonight? Um, we look at the standings every day. When it comes to the preparation that we do, I don't know about you guys, and I'd imagine it's pretty close to the same, but when I start my preparation, 
it's just like when I pack to go on a road trip. I pack the same thing first every time. Me too. Um, I, I open the bag. I pack the same way. I do the same thing with my prep. And the very first thing I do every single day is bring open the MLB app, hit standings, and look at the standings this morning. Who's hot? Who's won five straight? Who's cold? Um, where are some of these teams? That's the first thing I do, and then start from there. But, yeah, we, it, it's an understatement to say that we pay attention to what's happening, not just in our division, but in the league, because we love the game. What's the first thing you pack? First thing I pack, I go to the underwear drawer for underwear and socks, and I count. How many days we're gone? Oh, me too. How many days that we're gone will I go to the gym, and uh, then I go to workout clothes. Yeah. And then that's... That's yeah, how it starts. I got to count out that underwear. Got to yeah. have enough. I'd rather have too much than too little. Unlike Maddox. <laughs> Unlike Greg Maddox, who on a 10-day road trip would take five pair of underwear. He'd wear one one day and then turn it inside out and wear it again. <laughs> I guess well, that's fitting because he turned opposing hitters inside out, night in, night out. It allows you to get more things in your suitcase, I guess. It does. Hey, Ben, this is from Beth. Do you think you'd ever want to do television be a television announcer instead of calling the game on radio i really hope not me too beth i think you're one of the best play-by-play announcers since pete van weeren talk about a compliment i enjoy your podcast that's from beth yeah thank you Beth. that's way too high praise i had a good time going over there it was fun and was going to do something different i could see myself mixing that in here and there and doing a little bit of tv work but i love radio and i love the guys that i work with and that was a big Part of the off season for me is if I wanted to do more TV, and um, you know I'm going to get to do some, but I didn't want to leave my foundation, and that's this. And I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. I thought you did a good job of uh, mixing in. I thought that was smart on your part to get your feet wet yeah. on the TV side in case the uh, opportunity pre- presented itself to do more games. So I thought you did a good job. Thank on you, that. thank you. I had a good time doing it. Hey, and, uh, Jonathan, answer this one, okay? This is from Brett. With the TV side adding three Hall of Famers, would you still win in a brawl? Is that a real question? Yep. Brett. Yes, we would still win. I think it's from Brett Hart, professional wrestler. (laughs) Put him in the sharpshooter. Yeah, I, I will say that Chipper helps balance the scales a little bit because he's, I mean, you look over there, he's one man anyway um but yeah i'm with you jay chad yeah i mean the three of us against say brandon jeff tom chipper glavin i already said him and smoltz yeah we're winning everything yeah yeah what was it that that uh what was john's ailment was it the shoulder that he said worked on or a hip hip okay we go right there go first. Go right to the hip. Go right to the hip with a drop kick. Right. Start pounding. So he's out. Yeah. Um, he's writhing in pain, one shot of the hip. Take Chipper out at the knees. Take Chipper's at knees out. Yep. 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 He's and, out. And Glavin's elbow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's three quick drops right there. Yeah. Now, Frank is going to say, oh, yeah, well, where are you going to come after me? I know where to go. Right in his nether region. <laughs> He'll go down like a ton of bricks. Yeah. I mean, he's not 250 anymore. He, no. He's a very lean guy no. now. Brandon scares me a little. Brandon's got the endurance. Yeah. It's like we said, if we had to chase him and catch yeah. him, I don't like our chances. There's just something about Brandon that says Taekwondo. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, let's see. This is from 
Uh, let's see. This is from David in Finchville, Kentucky. Ben, Joe, and Jay Chad, what do you and the players do between games of a doubleheader? Like the one earlier this week in Detroit. Uh, seems like there was only about 45 minutes between games, if that much. Do the players shower and clean up any, or do they change uniforms? What about you guys? What kind of a break, if any, are you able to take? And, David, the answer to that question for us versus the players is very different. Uh, a lot of times there might be 40 minutes tops in between games of a doubleheader, unless it's a split doubleheader. And then in that case, we'd eat and, I don't know, try to find a way to waste some time. But when you have about 40 minutes in between games, it's a scramble to, number one, get some food really quickly, and number two, get your lineups written into your book before the first pitch. So it's a pretty big scramble. For the players – uh, I don't know if I wouldn't guess that they shower or anything, but certainly they, they change might. uniforms. Yeah, they might. If it was a hot day, yeah, they might uh, just start all over. And uh, certainly, and because they've got more than just one uniform um, ready to go, yeah. they can just shower, start all over, and be fresh when the game starts. Better question might be what do we do during the rain delays when we have long periods of time? That's, eat, eat. Yeah, we get fat. Very much so. Uh, let's see. Love the radio broadcast and have been enjoying the podcast after discovering it this season. My question was, uh, with the several rule changes that this year seeming uh, that this year seeming to go well and being well liked, do you feel like there will be a movement towards robot umps or something similar in the next few years? Since there has been so much umpire drama, and would you support a change like that? That is from John. John, I. I've spoken with lots of former players and even some current players about this, and there are multiple pitchers who seem to think that that's on the way. I don't know. I'm not sure if we have that technology yet. I would say that when you say all the ump drama, I think the only reason that we might say there's more umpire drama now with strike zones is because of what television is and with the box that they put up there. And we can see more now of what's a strike maybe on a TV monitor than you could have beforehand. Uh, I think the guys who are behind the plate, for the most part, are really, really good at what they do. Uh, there are only a handful of umpires that, in my opinion, aren't great ball and strike umpires. Uh, but I think, for the most part, they do a really good job. And over the course of an entire game, 200, 300 pitches or so, you don't see a ton of misses. Um, I, and I feel like the misses that are there, maybe they're not in crucial moments of the ball game, so they, they're not as glaring. It's only glaring if it happens you know, late in the game, tie game, something like that. But um, I don't know. I know that this commissioner has brought along lots of other uh, technological advances in our game. So maybe that's something that could be experimented with, just given um, his background and his history. But I, I like where we currently are. So who knows? Another thing, you're talking about the television influence on the umpiring. Another thing that sometimes exacerbates uh, a situation between an umpire and a hitter is a hitter can go right back to the dugout immediately after a called third strike, pull it up on the laptop. Yeah. And if he's uh, if the umpire was wrong, more than likely he's either going to bark something from the dugout or he's going to go up the next time up and say, you missed that. I, I went back and looked. Well, that's not going to endear you to the umpire for that at bat for sure. So, yeah, it is, it's a tough spot. Is it going to happen? Probably. When? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I had one here. Let's see. This is this is a very um, interesting one to me. This is from Robert Lovett. Happy episode number 43. With the Rockies in town, Joe, I recall you saying you know Bud Black relatively well. Well, Snit was the interim manager 
when Winsnet was interim manager, Bud Black was wildly rumored to be the preferred choice of the old executive team. What do you recall of that time, and do you have any talks with Bud about coming to Atlanta? I love Snit. and glad it worked out the way it did. Hope the skipper is here as long as he wants to be the man at the helm. I do remember that clearly, Robert, and it was a real thing, but you're right. That was primarily John Hart. John Hart, as the president of baseball operations, uh, used to be in Cleveland, where he knew Bud Black very well. Bud was the pitching coach, I believe, for a time with Cleveland. So while Bud got some experience managing uh, San Diego, and then, of course, now with Colorado, uh, he was gaining that experience. It was getting some, getting his chops, and, and he was big on John Hart's list. Let's just be glad that uh, we got Brian Snitker instead. He's been great. Yeah, yeah definitely. By the way, before we grab, uh, grab another question, uh, out there in right field, Max Freed is tossing, and he's letting it loose, and that's good to see. He's got a um, some kind of – it's not a brace on his left arm, but kind of a, a tight compression sleeve on his left mm-hmm. arm, and that's good to see. So maybe sometime after the All-Star break, we start hearing more about plans for Max. That would be terrific. I see Kyle Wright out there, too, and he's got a glove on his hand like he's going to play a little catch. That would be – he did just a few minutes ago. Did he? Yeah. That would be almost too much to hope for. Tyler Matzik's out there letting it loose as well. I know they're not counting on Tyler for the rest of the year, but I've seen him airing it out, yeah. and I, it makes me wonder if he's not ahead of schedule. That would be amazing, too. Here's a question from Ryan. Is there a reason why so many baseball radio announcers use desktop fixed stand mics while TV announcers seem to prefer headset mics? Is this just a comfort preference, or is there a practical reason? Probably. Go, go Jay Chad. No, you, you're the engineer on that. Go. I think it's a preference. Um, I think there's advantages to both. I think with a headset, it gives you a little bit more flexibility to stand or turn, and you always have that boom at your mouth. Um, you know, I think – well, I know I can speak for Ben and say he prefers the, the, the stick mic. So I think a lot of it is just uh, preference. You can make either one work. Yeah, I never used a stick mic till I came here. I had always had headsets, and um, they'd always start to come off. The padding would always start coming off. I had tape around them, um, and I would get a brand-new pair every year in the minor leagues. And um, by the end of the year, I had uh, electrical tape around the, the pads to keep them on. Of course, I, I'm sure they're probably better designed headsets but i bought what i could afford in the minor leagues but then i get here and this is what was being used here and i quickly started to like it more i didn't have stuff on my ears and i've got now i have little earbuds that are very comfortable and doesn't mess up your hair yeah it doesn't mess up my my quaff oh there have been people here before that worried a lot about oh yeah messing up yes they did <laughs> messing up their do got some perm protectors yes <laughs> I, I honestly prefer headsets i mean that's that's my preference just because i've i had done it for so long um but i'm a, i've adjusted over time to the stick mic yeah. and it's like you said jonathan uh there are times where i just want to stand up you know i want to stand up or m- slide my chair from one side to the other to look up something and realize i'd be off bike if i did that so i have to be careful how I do that, but I prefer headsets. It was definitely a, a change doing the TV. But, but the sticks sound better. As Jonathan has said repeatedly, 
uh, the stick mics sound better, and heaven knows I need something that makes me sound better. <laughs> I, I use a headset. You know, I'm, I'm not talking on the air, but I use a headset. Um, yeah, it's just what you like and what you're used to is yeah, all it is. preference. And again, Ben's hair. <laughs> oh, you weren't here when we had that question. Yeah. But you'd, we'll tell you about it. You can listen to the next episode of uh, from the yeah. Braves booth and find out for okay. yourself. Uh, let's see if it were. If, let's see if it was the end of the world when the NL decided to implement a DH, but a week into the new season, I barely missed it. Do you guys like the NL DH, or do you long for the days of pitchers hitting and/or the strategy involved deciding when to take him out slash leave him in? That's from Ralph in Beaumont, California. I don't, I don't really miss it. Um, I. I I fought it forever, but yeah. I, I'm okay now. I was a big traditionalist and liked the strategy involved in the game in the National League. And, you know, managers having to think three or four innings down the line, and what if I use this guy or pinch it with this guy? I love that. It fascinated me. But uh, after the last um, however long we've had the DH in the National League now. Two years. Two, this is the second season. Two it, years and well, a year. We did it in twenty, year. and then it was yeah, but because it was it's, a short season. Short season. It's, yeah. it's a much more exciting game to watch yeah. uh, with the DH hitting every night. Two it years was, and three months. Not that I'm counting. <laughs> Does it fascinate you the idea of, and this has been proposed, of you having your DH so long as you have your starting pitcher on the mound? Have you guys read much on that? No. There's a there's a proposition, and I think the one of the Whichever independent league that Major League Baseball works with and uses as kind of a, an experimental laboratory to, for certain rules and things like that, I think they're doing that this year where so long as you have your starting pitcher in the game, you have your DH. And once he comes out of the game, then it's back to the old rules on pinch hitting anytime that spot comes about. That's dumb. Uh, I Let's not – you know, it's almost like uh, – the federal government writing new rules, laws, and regulations. Uh-huh. You know, we got enough. We do have a lot. And teams would be punished if a pitcher went out and had a bad start and say he went two thirds of an inning. Well, you lose your DH for the rest of the game, and now you got relievers hitting who never hit. Well, yeah. you'd be pinch hitting for them. You'd just be rolling. And then through roll guys. through your bench in five innings. Yeah. Well, I think that's the whole point. I think that kind of that's the reason that they're experimenting with it to see what teams think. It's too much. This is from uh, Kenneth Wells in Trussville, Alabama. I wonder what they make there. Um, Hello, gentlemen. Um, Thank you so much for this podcast and taking questions from the fans. I haven't missed a single episode, and I'm always looking forward to the next one. Keep up the great work. Um, He had three questions. I'll start with the first one. I've noticed that Orlando Arcia always tucks his ears under his baseball cap. We have two, Kenneth. Um... I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand what's the story behind it. I can tell you that I asked him about it, and he smiled, and he said, I said, why do you do it? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> and I said, no, really. No, really. I mean, why do you do this? And I put my ears in my cap, and he just smiled big at me and went, I don't know. So there you have it. Uh, it's working. Yeah. I'm not going to cha- ask him to change. Uh, if you're out of mound visits and your pitcher is struggling or just had to cover first base and needs a breather or a chance to regroup, can the catcher pretend like he has some equipment issues or something like that? Oh, yeah. We've yeah. seen that a lot. Um, and last, just a funny thought. We've all heard 
a slow runner described as someone who has catcher speed. Have you guys thought about using the phrase, he has broadcaster's speed? I sure do miss Skip and his funny one-liners regarding slow runners like, if he was in a foot race with a pregnant woman, he would finish third. <laughs> or he has deceptive speed, he's a lot slower than he looks. Uh, no, I hadn't really thought about broadcaster speed. Yeah. Not all of us are slow. No, no. Hey, look Max at this. Max is on the mound. Yeah, he is. Very good. Yeah, it is. That's very, very good. Might have to sit and watch that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's see here. Um, hey, guys, been listening for a while and love the show. My oldest kid just discovered it also and wanted to ask, what stadium has the best game day food? That's from Todd. You didn't read it loud enough. Oh, it is in capital it's letters. In capital letters, like <laughs> giant font. Like, hey, <laughs> what stadium has the best food? <laughs> From Todd. Yeah, uh, I think we'll all be in agreement on it, this one. In National League is Philadelphia. We agree on that. Yeah. Well, stadium food, I think, like concessions. Oh, not like. Oh, what I can't we answer eat. that. Yeah, I can't either. Press room food. I'm going to say Truist Park. There yeah, is a have wide it. variety yes. here. Tons of variety. Yeah. Something that comes to mind uh, quickly, Dodger Stadium, those teriyaki chicken bowls out in right field. Yeah, you just had to walk two miles to you get gotta it. you got to walk but... a long way to get it, but they're pretty good. Yeah, those are good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, Todd, because we don't get to sample a press or a concession food in every ballpark. We can tell you about press food. I, I've got Philadelphia and, and Yankee Stadium as number mm-hmm. ones and two. Um uh, hi, speaking of food, hi, have you tried any rally snacks or drinks so far this season that have not been successful? Love the podcast and the radio broadcast. That's from Laura. Uh, Laura, we pretty much limit that to uh, double stuff Oreos, but I have improvised a little bit this year, and I think it's had a lot to do with this hot streak the team is on. We've gone with mega stuff Oreos, and you can see what the team's doing. There's a lot of cream in that jar back there. Things like this just have to happen organically. Yeah, they do. Like the RC Cola. Yeah. Um, a couple of year last that was season. In or- it was in Oakland, wasn't it? It was yeah. in Oakland, and then it traveled with us the entire rest of the season, made yeah. every trip with us. Uh, there was something Joe did try earlier this year. I think we might have been out of Oreos. We needed some runs, and I'm kind of glad it didn't stick because it would have been it would have been difficult to do every night. You had some Swiss Miss hot chocolate? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but it was cold, and Ben was having a little throat issue, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think you even said on the air, like, yeah. you know. This might be a habit, yeah. I mean, if it's July or August and some 100 degrees outside <laughs> and you're chugging hot chocolate. Yeah, it might not be a That'd good That'd be pretty thing. brutal. Yeah. Something may happen before the end of the season's over, but, again, if it does, it won't be forced. It'll just happen. Yeah, it's just accidental. Like, hey, we just scored five runs, and I just ate a pretzel. You know, it's rally that's pretzels. How, yeah, that's yeah. how it all happens. Exactly. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, do you guys currently have any TV shows you're watching that you're embarrassed to admit, Erica? Fire away, Jay Chad. <laughs> this this is right in your wheelhouse. Uh, there's a bunch, but um, you know, I fought it for a long time. My wife has been into Vanderpump Rules, and um, she kept trying to get me to watch it with her. Wouldn't do it, whatever. I'm gone, and when I'm out of town, you watch that. Well, we got back from Cincinnati, and she's been out of town and got home last night, and at least two or three times I've found myself this week watching Vanderpump Rules, and I'm kind of hooked. Yeah? 
I don't believe I'd have told that. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing is we get to spring training, and, and I can tell really quickly what he's been up to because he'll come in and he's like, all right, I got this show on this night, I got that show on that night, and I got to watch it, and then we'll talk to Margaret Ann afterwards. So it, he's got the TV, and it was um, – Summerhouse. Summerhouse, yeah. With Below the, Deck. The boat show. Yeah. Below Deck. Below Deck, Deck. Yeah. Now I'll watch that with Kathy primarily because there's just all kinds of shenanigans going on below mm-hmm. deck mm-hmm. yeah there was winter house summer house a lot of bravo at our house <laughs> yeah so i get to spring training and then i've never heard any of this stuff and i learn really quickly about what he's watching and then he talks to margaret ann about it and it, it's fascinating yeah that's it those are good though uh, kathy watches some of that she also watches some real bizarre stuff at late at night and i just go okay i'm turning my light out good night see you in the morning and then i find myself lying there on my side with one eye open <laughs> kind of watching whatever crap she's got on and going all right oh that's awful yeah, <laughs> yeah. not missing anything here no oh you guys got anything we got i guess time for two more uh let's see ozzy ronald riley and olsen have played every game thus far the most players to do so for a given team in the entire league. Considering how well the Braves are playing, when, if at all, do you start worrying about longevity and getting cold in August? Thanks. That's from Caden. Caden, about three or four years ago, I'd have said I'm concerned, but this has become what happens here. We've seen this for years now, and um, we saw it the year they won the World Series. These they play guys, every single day. They want to play every single day. Yeah. And I think if the coaching staff looked out there on any given night – and saw a guy that looked lethargic and like he needed a break, I think that they would force them to take a break. But if they feel good um, and they want to play every night, I, th- I think that's what we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, I mean, it's coincidental that it, it works with Orlando being named to the starting lineup for the All-Star game. He's in a little swoon offensively. His average has dropped a little bit, and – I thought yesterday's day off was very timely for him. If there hadn't been a day off, I thought maybe it was time for him to right. take a day. Yeah. And that's an interesting part of it, too, because it's one thing to give, you know, Eddie Rosario a day off or, you know, whomever else. But that's your shortstop. And right now, of course, you, you bring up Charlie Culberson again. You could throw him out there. You got a few options, I guess. But it, there's not a ton of options for the guys on the infield if they want no, a day. Not with a day out. Yeah. Adrianza. You're right. So, all right, let's uh, we'll finish on this one. With the way the team is playing this year, how much fun is it being on the call and traveling with a the team? They're playing great and look like they're having a blast. Just wanted to hear what it's like being part of this run. That's from Eric, and it is amazing, Eric. I mean, winning is is the best thing. That's the that's the whole reason we all do this. We love the game, but we love when your team is winning, and the traveling aspect of it is maybe my favorite part of it i don't have a wife or kids so i don't have to worry about anything i can go and it's fun and watching this team travel and seeing teams uh seeing the crowds on the road and our fans travel and seeing them in other ballparks then of course being here i mean this this has just been an amazing atmosphere that has been created here in atlanta and it's just a reminder that um, when you're winning people are going to show up and it's uh, so much fun to be a part of night in night out and you see the reaction from the fans, too, I think, Ben. They appreciate it so much every night here at Truist Park. They know when they come to the ballpark, they've got a chance to win. There's a real strong chance that they're going to win. 
They have their favorite players, of course, but they love this team and they love the players on it. Yes, they do. By the way, we're about to see some live VP with Max Fried on the mound. That's Kevin Pillar climbing in. I mm-hmm. think this is the first time he's faced live, live hitters. That is awesome. So it's a good time for up to us to uh, wrap up the podcast. I know you got Snit coming up here in a little while, so. I'm sure we'll find out more about tonight's ball game from him. Please tune in tonight, Braves and the Marlins this evening, game one of this series, and finishing up the homestand into the weekend. And we'll be on the road next week in Cleveland and Tampa Bay. So in all likelihood, the very next time we bring you a podcast will be after the All-Star break. So that'll be fun. And in the meantime, enjoy uh, the rest of the quote-unquote first half and the All-Star break. And we will talk to you at some point in July. So for Joe and for Jay Chad, I'm Ben, and you have been Inside the Braves booth.